Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of IRA Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search IRA Financial. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney and founder of IRA Financial, and got a really fun episode for you today. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Three really great questions. And um, let's kick it off and get right to it. So first question is from James L. of Inglewood, California. And James wants to know, if I move from a full-time to part-time, I guess not employee, but if I move from a full-time to part-time, can I become a 1099 independent contractor so I can start a solo 401k? So great question, um, James. And it's a very gray type of question when someone wants to discuss the movement from an employee to independent contractor, because it's something that the IRS uh, cares deeply about because there's um, tax ramifications, reporting requirements, and um, there's a set of guidelines and um, a framework for the determination of whether someone is an employee or an independent contractor. Independent contractors follow their own taxes. Uh, they get a 1099, whereas a employee gets a W-2 and is the responsibility of the employer. So there's a couple factors to determine. Just because you're going full-time to part-time doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to be deemed an employee anymore. You still get a, may get a W-2 because even though you're not working full-time hours, you still may be treated as an employee, not an independent contractor. So what are some of the requirements? Number one is behavioral. You know, does the company have control or have the right to control what you do? Okay, This is generally the hardest thing to satisfy if you uh, want to move from an employee to be treated as an independent contractor, right? If someone is a painter and they go from home to home, different homes and, and do paint jobs, um, it's going to be very hard to argue they're an employee of yours because do you have control over them? No, they come, they paint your walls and they leave and they go to the next house and you don't really have control over what they do, what they wear, how they perform their task. All you care about is that they do their job and paint your house. Um, so that's clearly an independent contractor versus someone maybe that, um, you work in an office, you go from 40 to 20 hours a week, but you still go to the same office. You work at the same desk, use their computers. You're subject to their rules and requirements, procedures on how you do your work, um, how you log in just the company security, uh, framework and, and policies still subject to that and required to comply. So in that case, even though you've moved full-time to part-time, looks like you're an employee. Uh, what's some other requirements? Uh, financial, you know, the business aspects, the worker's job controlled by the payer. You know, like you control how they get paid, right? Every two weeks, every week. Uh, they reimburse for expenses, right? You provide them pens, uh, computer, things like that. If they do, if you do, looks like uh, there's an employee employee relationship, not an independent contractor. You hire a painter, you don't give them paint. They bring their own paint. They bring their paint brushes. They bring uh, the white cloth that they put on the floor. They have their own truck, right? So you compare that to someone who works at a desk at a computer, even if they go full-time or part-time, gonna be tough. And then obviously the type of relationship, right? 
what's going on? Um, is it the continuation of the same relationship where you've gone full-time to part-time? It's going to be hard to just move in a pen and contractor. Now it's possible based off the terms of that relationship, but something that you know, you're going to have to think about and obviously talk to the employer because you may want to be an independent contractor, but if the employer is giving you a W-2, James, not going to matter, right? They're going to treat you as an employee and that's the way it's going to be. And you're not going to be able to get a solo 401k due from that specific activity. You may have other self-employment activity, but if that is your only employment uh, or activity where you earn compensation, then you may not be able to adopt a solo 401k because you still may be in an employer employee relationship, even though you're working less hours. So good question, James. Really appreciate that. Second question is from YouTube. And this person wants to know, it's a really good question. What is the statute of limitations for the self-directed IRA? So there's two numbers. First is three years. And the second is six years. Okay. Actually, the Build Back Better bill, which uh, never got passed, they tried to extend the statute of limitation for all IRAs, self-directed IRAs, Ross, everyone to six years, but that never passed. So currently it's three years and it's three years from when the transaction occurred. So technically you don't file returns, right? IRAs don't file returns. They follow 5498, which the custodian does. It doesn't follow a tax return. So technically the statute of limitation for a prohibited transaction would occur once you do the transaction. So let's say you screw up and you uh, buy a house and you don't know the rules and you have your kids live in it. That happens on January 1, 2020. Technically, you have three years from that day, or the IRS is three years from that day to bring some type of claim against you. Because if they don't, then the statute of limitation, that three-year period has run. Now, remember I said six years. What's six years? Six years is something called a substantial understatement. It, that means if the penalty, if the amount at issue is 25% of your adjusted gross income, they could try to bring a six-year statute of limitation uh, on that activity. That's very, very rare. It's generally three years. Uh, I've gotten into some audit issues with some um, clients over the last 12 years, and they've never gone six-year statute. Even in this particular case, there's a couple hundred grand at issue, which would have been more than 25% of the individual's AGI, and they, they didn't pursue six-year. They pursued three. Um, so, and again, obviously they were in that three-year period. Who knows if they would have pursued six, if it was four or five years after the fact, but um, you don't see a lot of, of six-year statute, substantial understatement positions by the IRS. Generally, they try to get you within three. IRS audits are very rare for self-directed IRAs. There's actually no IRA audit division. There's the Small Business Self-Employed Audit Division, the SBSE. They're responsible for um, IRS audits, although the DOL has a role in determination of prohibited transactions, but it's the IRS that actually pursues the audit. Generally, the audits I've seen is based off valuations for people taking RMD. So anyone over 72 now or people that are over 70 and a half that traditionally have to take RMDs, required minimum distributions, that's where I've seen the SBSE audits to make sure that the valuations used for the IRAs is accurate and fair. Um, I haven't seen just random IRAs. And again, I only have 25,000 or so clients. So there are 60 million IRAs. So clearly I can't talk to every IRA owner in this country, but just from an industry standpoint, I'm very friendly with you know everyone in this industry. And it's just not an area that gets a lot of attention. Why? You know, about 90 to 95% of all IRAs are invested in traditional investments. 
like stocks, like mutual funds, like ETFs, and there's just not a lot of um, chance there for, for any type of um, questionable behavior. So really no chance to audit. Plus, honestly, in the alternative asset world, I've been in it 12 years. Um, it's very rare that people kind of go off uh, on their own and do some wacky stuff. Most people respect the rules. They're fearful of the IRS. They do not want to get audited. They do not want to pay tax and penalty for a prohibited transaction. So people aren't out there just um, doing crazy stuff um, like maybe some IRS agents think, or some members of Congress, I should say, think occurs. People are very uh, conservative and practical when it comes to their IRA. They want to make sure they stay within the rules. So it's not really just you know a rave party where IRA owners are just going crazy, letting loose, doing all kinds of primitive transactions. It's not really it's not happening. So that's it. Three or six year statute, six year for twenty five percent or more of AGI, which is a substantial understatement penalty or substantial understatement claim. You can go to six years, um, but. That's kind of where it's at right now. Third and final question on today's ad bits. And this is a great question from Facebook. Can I open a brokerage account for my self-directed IRA LLC? So the answer is, yeah, you're going to open the brokerage account, which is an account that will let you buy securities, ETF stocks um, in the name of the LLC, not the IRA. Why the LLC is the owner of the asset. It has the cash. So the brokerage accounts in the name of the LLC. We're actually working on a partnership with Fidelity that we're hoping to launch in the next four to six weeks. So hopefully by the summer of 2022, where you'll be able to buy robo-investments on our app. And uh, after that, equities, and we'll be able to open up brokerage accounts for your IRA or LLC, where you can also just trade stocks for no commissions. Um, so that's going to be fun and cool. That's something we're doing with Fidelity. But right now, the best place if you want a brokerage account for your LLC is Interactive Brokers. TD used to be really good, but since they got acquired by Schwab, they've made it a little bit more difficult to open up a brokerage account for an IRA LLC. Right now, I would say Interactive Brokers is the best, easiest. Uh, but again, IRA Financial and Fidelity, we're working together. And this is something that um, we're going to have a really good solution for by summer 2022. So great question. Just remember, open the account in the name of the LLC, not the IRA, because you already have an IRA with IRA Financial. So you don't need to set up another IRA brokerage account. You need to set up a brokerage account in the name of the LLC. You could sign as the manager of the LLC. Um, if they ask you to fill out a W-9, if it's a single member LLC, the first line would show your IRA, financial trust company for the benefit of John Doe IRA. You would put your address for the exempt payee code, you put a one. If for the, you would mention single member LLC and I think it's box three, uh, section three, and then you would uh, use the IRA financial tax ID number, which we can provide you. If your LLC is a partnership, then line one, you're going to put the name of the LLC. You're going to use the EIN of the LLC, put the address of the LLC, and the exempt pay code, you're still going to put a one. And in both cases, single member LLC or multiple member LLC, you're going to sign as the manager of the LLC. So a lot of brokerage accounts will make you complete a W-9, which just kind of tells them you're not a foreign person, nothing you know to be um, uh, concerned about. Um, but otherwise, just most important thing is open the account in the name of the LLC. There you go. Thank you for uh, listening. If you um, are listening on a uh, on this for this podcast, if you're watching, which you can always do on YouTube, um, thank you. Um, don't forget to subscribe. 
This is a podcast that drops every Thursday. I have two other podcasts as well that you should definitely check out if you're into the self-directed retirement world. Adam Talks, which drops every Wednesday, and AdBits, which goes through a bit of information on a very specific self-directed retirement topic that drops every Tuesday. And you can also watch them on YouTube or just listen to them wherever you listen and pick up your podcast. So thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Really appreciate it. Have a great one and talk to everyone again uh, next week. Take care. Thank you.